0: language and discussions if you're easily offended do not continue
1: we would be honored if you would join us how are you feeling your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed recovery is total I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and
2: pleasure as a matter of to help and heal human beings.
1: I am a Jedi, like my father before me.
0: All right, hello. Welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am taking a dip in the Back to Waters, doing the backstroke, the doggy paddle,
2: the uh, 69 shuffle. <laughs> That's Why is your Back to Tank bigger than mine? Well, Dave, it's uh, genetics.
0: It's genetics. Ask God, our creator, why. <laughs> That's not very nice. That's not very kind at all, Dave. I apologize. <laughs> All right, so you and I, Dave, are here today to discuss something fun. This is going to be one of those episodes that we can kind of just kick back and just shoot the shit because it's a fun, casual read. And that is, of course, Star Wars Bounty Hunters. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be talking about issue number five, Galaxy's Deadliest Part Five, The High Cost of Revenge. The end. This is the end of our first story arc gave and I will say that it was a great start. Those opening story arcs for all new series are in my opinion, very crucial because it's going to set the tone pretty much forever, even in six months, even in a year, two years when someone may say, you know what? I'm going to check out that trade paperback volume one. They're going to buy it. They're going to read it. And if it just feels inconsistent, they're not going to continue to read. So having that opening arc be tight and also just solidify a story and flesh out our key players. Those things are very, very important.
2: Yeah. And And they did, they did just that, right? Oh yeah. Ethan Sachs, what he's been able to do the last five issues is take some, not just one character. We were all wondering before this, how he's going to flesh out uh, Valance. But you realize how many characters he has dealt with that he's added to to give more characteristics, yeah. more definition to? Yeah. I mean, let alone in this upcoming issue, we get a bigger sense of who Boba Fett is now in this in this new universe. Yeah. And he was... Uh, Wait, a- after after this issue, I'm like going, Ethan Sachs has proven that he... Should be one of the most herald Star uh, Star Wars uh, writers right now in that room.
0: Well, tell me if I'm wrong, Dave. This is the first official Boba fett eccentric story as well, right within it this is. new era of Star Wars. Yes, yeah, I would I would agree. Then he did a really good job fleshing out who Boba Fett is. Yeah, he's still a mystery. We don't know who the man is behind the mask, and I do like that. I think that works for this character, and honestly. I don't know if I'm ready for them to explore that side just yet. We have just gotten him back and there is a mystery to him. So let's keep that mystery. Yeah. But flesh out the obvious. This guy is diabolical. Yeah. He is relentless. He's cold blooded. And they make such a great contrast in this issue here between him and Valance. And that's something that they needed to do because oh, absolutely. Yeah. how many cold blooded, Characters do we have in Star Wars we either have good Jedi's a smuggler or a hateful murdering uh, bounty hunter slash smuggler we don't really have a diverse group of people we really don't like it's sad to say that but we're dealing with the world of Star Wars and you can kind of say all right we have evil and we have good good. Exactly. And that's why Dr. Afro works so well because she's kind of in between ish at times, but mostly on the bad side, but a very different type of bad. And here's Valance, who's actually on the other side of the spectrum. He's a different type of good. Yes, he's a different type of good. And like,
2: and we weren't quite sure that he was good until this issue, Till this issue. And like when you take into the, to the scope of like how he set up. How Ethan Sykes has set up all these characters, you can't really put them in good and evil roles. They're just characters right. who have flaws. They're r- you know real, Val- real people. V- right? Yeah, Valance. Yeah. Valance may not be a nice person, but he has a good moral code. But he has he still has his flaws. He still you know has a bit of uh what's the word. I guess he you can see He has major baggage. He has I mean, major baggage. Yeah. But that's still, while well, that baggage makes him look evil, he still has a moral, good moral compass. And that's a misunderstood compass. It
0: makes him look misunderstood.
2: You look at Boba Fett, I love how Ethan Sachs just basically said, okay, this whole time since the very beginning, Boba Fett has been very mysterious as a character. We see yeah. him basically very rarely.
0: I mean, we didn't even see him that much—that
2: much during this run, right? Yeah, this is the most we've ever seen him, and the most he's ever talked. So it was really key to show what type of person Boba Fett is. Yeah, and right from the get-go, you get the sense uh, he—Ethan Sachs doesn't come out and tell us. He shows it in Boba Fett's dialogue, where it's like you could tell he's ruthless. You could tell his moral compass is very different from Valance's. David, he doesn't have a moral compass. Does he even have loyalty? That's
0: the thing. Of loyalty. He doesn't have any. He doesn't have anything, and that's I, he. I does, like he doesn't I care. It. I love it. I like it because this is more. This is the type of Boba Fett we saw in the original trilogy, in yes. Empire.
2: Yeah, in Empire, like the the one point where right from the get go, Nakano tells Boba Fett why the kid has to survive and the importance of her <laughs> both. just stops her and says, stop. I don't care. He literally says, stop. Yeah. Like, Seriously. Stop. I stop. don't care. And he bases says Nothing's going to stop me from uh, right. Uh, what a nothing will say. Nothing you say will stop me from executing you. Yeah. And it's like that in, in three little short dialogue, you get the sense that both is this ruthless Bounty hunter.
0: I'm glad he doesn't care. I'm glad they brought it back. This yes. is this is the Boba Fett I've been wanting for years. And even though I was when I was a young man, like, uh, actually not a young man, a teenager in the '90s when we got all those Dark Horse runs uh, of Boba Fett, I was young and I did enjoy them, and I felt at that time they were good. But in retrospect, when you go back, they just they took away the mystery of the character, and they made him at times a little relatable, too relatable. And a character like this, in my opinion, I don't really want to learn a lot about about him. Sometimes it's nice to have a character who's just a bad guy, and I know eventually we're going to have to explore him. If Boba Fett's here, we're going to eventually have to explore him. That's just the facts. So we're not just going to keep him being this mysterious character for the next 15 years. Eventually they're going to delve into his backstory with a book, a comic book. We will see. Yeah. But for the purposes of this story, this particular five part series so far, they used him in a way that brings Boba Fett back. That basically gives Boba Fett his teeth back, his fangs. And at the same time, they use it to contrast, contrast him and Valance and show that they're on two ends of the spectrum. And that's something that I did not expect. I know you and I really enjoyed the Target Vader series with Baylor Valance. And it was just kind of a shoot 'em up bang-bang. They showed a little bit of a backstory. We kind of understood where he came from. But it wasn't until this run that we saw Inklings that, okay, well, they're going to get into the more human side of Valance. They're going to really dig in deep here. And there was uh, some mentions of his humanity and and his longing for uh, companionship within the subtext. But it wasn't until this issue when you realize this guy is a human being. In fact, it's probably the very reason why he hates droids. Yes. Because that's his thing. He hates robots. Well, why does he hate droids? Because he doesn't want to be a droid. He wants to be a human being. That's yeah. what I am. And when Boba Fett calls him uh, essentially a stupid droid, what does he do? He yells and says, I am not a droid. And then you see his humanity come out when his mentor dies. I mean, that scene, Dave, uh, when he couldn't rescue his mentor and he's trying to lift everything up around her, that's, that has fallen on her. And he says, I can't, if only my energy cells were fully charged, something like that. I'm paraphrasing yeah. here. I mean, you get the sense of sadness. I mean, uh, Ethan Sachs did a really good job painting this picture of just a sad lonely person who was desperately trying to save his last I would say his last true connection to humanity. Yeah. So it was definitely a very it's a fun story but they did give us some substance and I wasn't quite sure we would get that because so far uh, the storylines have been very well written and the art is just mind-blowing but I, I just didn't I don't know, maybe I'm just jaded with Star Wars currently. I just didn't expect us to get something so
2: substantial. Yeah, something with it just so much heart. Yeah. It, it had a lot of heart. And give a lot of get a lot give a lot of credit to not just Sax, but Vianelli. Vianelli's artwork in this yeah, and so him pairing with Sax, I think they're a really good team, and I really want to see more from this duo. Like, I know in Star Wars, they usually focus on, oh, let's, since the writer over here did so good, like, say, like, um, Cy Spurrier with uh, with uh, Afro, and they took him away and, on a different creative team and paired him up with a different artist. Mm-hmm. I would rather see Sax and Vianelli stick together yeah. and and go to another, if you're going to take this creative team, take them together as a team to say to say like Afra or even Vader, the Vader series. I would like to see what they can do
0: together as a team. I agree. I wouldn't mind seeing them do other things. Although for now, let's keep them here. Yes, because they are barely getting started. And I don't know if I want to see Ethan Sacks story continue with them within bounty hunters. If,
2: If Vianelli's not there because
0: they have worked so well together and we've said this every single issue, but I, I just love the bigness, Dave. I don't think I've read a comic in years that just, I don't, I'm not an artist in the sense of drawing in the traditional sense. So I don't understand the scaling and how they do it. I mean, I get it. I understand. I'm not an idiot. I get it, but I can't wrap my mind around how they fit so much size proportionately into a fucking page. Yeah. Because that opening, I believe the opening panel where you have or opening page where you have Nakano and Fett in the center and Valance on the far right. And you have the two panels with Nakano and Valance on each side, kind of in the forefront. And within the background, you have Boba Fett taking up the center. Yeah. The dude from helmet to feet is just the full length of the page. Dude, it's like reading a Spaghetti Western. Yeah. It's like watching, I should say, a Spaghetti Western or seeing a Spaghetti Western realized on page as a comic book. Because it's just, it it blows my mind. I mean, the size of the guns, the size of the fists, the action is so big. And I know we are, we're currently covering something for House of Mystery. Uh, the uh, DC black label the question. Yeah. And they do a great job with
2: size as well. Yeah. But it's not like this. It's not like this because like from the get go, the thing I like that Sachs established from the very beginning of issue one is we were going to get a spaghetti Western type of story or at least a Western type of storytelling that was reminiscent to like the old Westerns, like the good, the bad and the ugly. And, and even to some degree, like some of the John Ford Westerns here. And they have not, they have not let me down with that expectation because yeah, you're right. I mean, every single frame that they do, it's very cinematic. It is very, you know, like, Hey, there's a reason why you put Boba Fett in the corner right here and it's almost like
0: it's like they're using an eighty five lens. They're using you know? it.
2: They're using an actual camera lens.
0: Yeah, dude, you know, it's it's crazy, man. And I've never and I've read a lot of comic books, and I just and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. Maybe I'm just an idiot, and and this is what comic book artists do all the time. Dave, you read more than me, but is this they they are doing something unique here, right? With the size, they are.
2: They are because there's depth to their to Vianelli's art. He's looking at it from angles, it, you know. Like very majority of artists out there think very two dimensional. It's very flat. Okay, your character's centered right here. Your character has to be posed a certain way. But you never, ever, you rarely see artists actually approach a comic book panel and say, "Okay, I'm going to put the perspective of our audience a." basically the camera down here, put the, put the character in that frame right there to give him what filmmakers would call space. Yeah. And like when I, ever since issue one, I started looking at it. I started getting like vibes of being in film school again, looking at it and saying, okay, that's a medium shot. That's okay. We got a close up of Boba Fett right here. You got it. You got hard angles or like even lighting shadows. Mm hmm that you can see in cinema being transitioned into a comic book.
0: That's rare. Well, I got to think Paolo Vianelli and same thing with Ethan Sachs, because he's the one writing this as well. And he's sharing with Paolo Vianelli what he wants. And we have seen work from Paolo Vianelli before. And the work is similar. Um, I I forgot what series it was that we wrote. I believe it was the uh, tie-in to the video game that came out last year. Um, Jedi Fallen Order. I yes. believe he, he did the art on that. Yes, he did. And we really enjoyed the art, but it wasn't this big. So you have to, uh, you could only imagine, or I guess we can only assume, I should say, that it is, in fact, the team. The team. It's the combo. Sax and Vianelli working together to just put together this, this awesome-looking storyline. And if you look at page... I want to say page uh, six and seven, I believe of the comic book. I'm on the digital version right now. So it's probably six and seven. Typically when we review comic books, we are very critical of artists that use multiple pages for action sequences. We don't like it. In fact, we're like, dude, you suck. Like stop trying to fill time because you don't have a fucking story. And yet, You don't get that same feeling when you have Ethan Sachs and Vianelli filling up two, three pages of action sequences because there is so much story going on within the action. And not only that, they do such a great job. Is it onomatopoeia? Is that what it's called? The sounds? You can hear, you can truly hear those sounds. That's how well the art is combined with the writing. Whenever you hear the blaster shot, whenever you hear the thump hits and the vibration, because the art is so big, you can actually feel it. There are moments when I am reading this, that I am immersed within a star Wars story. It feels like star Wars.
2: Yeah, it does. And then like the thing about, especially in, in the pages you're talking about, every single panel tells a story like down to every single action matters. When Boba Fett shoots, uh, tries to shoot Nakano, ends up shooting the brother, which is something that we were wondering, okay, that also was an important story point about like the, the death of the brother forcing the sister to, to go after Nakano because she blamed Nakano for her brother's death. Well, we find out that, oh, Boba Fett was the one who freaking shot the brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there's this. It, it continues the narrative. It continues answering and, and filling out the gaps of this story that we're being told, it, which is honestly a revenge tale. When you look at like everything up to issue five, it's an absolute revenge tale. Everyone is out for revenge. Down to the down to the sister, but what happens in the very end? The sister ends up paying the price at the hands of Boba Fett.
0: Right, and that's why I like that as a twist because it is a revenge story for everyone but the lead. But the lead, you you exactly. think you think it's a revenge tale, even for him, and at the end you find out it's not about revenge at all. So yeah, I mean, just bringing it back full circle here. They really did a fantastic job humanizing Valance right before the first arc of this series ends. They did a fantastic job and the way they left it off. And I, I'm just so happy that this is an ongoing series and, Absolutely. We, and we know Marvel is not canceling their series. Thankfully we have Dr. Afra, we have bounty hunters and we have the regular star Wars title that are continuing no matter what. Uh, Vader comes and goes depending on whenever they decide to release a new version of the Vader and what timeline. But even he's, I, th- I think at this point, you can consider Vader also ongoing. Even though they skip six months, come back, skip six months, come back. But if you're going to have an ongoing series, you can't just simply keep it superficial. You got you to gotta give, you have to give the reader a reason for coming back. Yeah, and they did that, especially with that cool little cliffhanger there where now essentially Valance is now going to have to uh, play wet nurse <laughs> pretty much. And you know what? If this was any other series, I would probably be nervous. My God, like, ah, right now we're going to have an annoying kid hanging on him. But honestly, I think this is going to be something that's actually going to help build his character that much more and really bring e- that much more characterization because now he's forced to take care of his mentors i guess uh, or adopted daughter essentially adopted daughter yeah and you have the weight of the galaxy at least this portion of the galaxy on the shoulders of this child
2: that's a good story it dude. is and the thing that, that i brought it up in our last episode that about bounty hunters that if you look at this series if you look at bounty hunters and you look at say and you look at mandalorian they're pretty much the same story. The hero finds, finds a child, has to, the child actually has a greater purpose. It's up to the hero to bring the child to its de- destiny. But, but in a comic book, Bounty Hunters give so much more than Mandalorian ever did. I mean, style-wise, uh, Mandalorian wanted to be a Western from the get-go. We saw that in episode one. While it was really forced, it kind of was like, uh, okay, here with Ethan Sachs and Vianelli, mm-hmm. they gave us a Western story from page one on issue one that didn't feel forced. No, no, there all. was substance to their style, right? There's substance to the story. And I'm like going, I don't know if it was deliberate, but if I could, if I could see such a really well done story done in five issues, in a comic book why couldn't i see this type of story being told live action why can't we get a bounty hunters live action story
0: yeah i agree dave i agree um you know what hold on to that thought because we're going to get back to it we do have to take a very quick break we're back to take, coming right up. all right everyone Decision 2021 is what I'm calling this. We need your help. Every year around this time, we start weighing the pros and cons, whether or not we should continue with this podcast endeavor. Can we make money? Can we turn a profit? Well, we need you in order to continue. So Decision 2021, as we try to educate our listeners on ways that you can keep this network alive, Number one, Patreon, patreon.com slash ringmandigital. Pledge, help us stay alive, or be aware of our shows and when they go live, when they go on demand, and be sure to interact with our posts within social media. Like the post, share the post, comment, all these things trigger algorithms that are necessary for our shows to trend on social media. So thank you, and be aware, or be square. How do you like that, Dave?
2: <laughs> there we go.
0: All right, make sure you head over to Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital and get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions every single month. From comic book discussions to book reviews to bonus discussions. All centered around Star Wars.
1: So
0: make sure to go to Patreon.com and pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to more Star Wars discussion.
1: Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to AdamandEve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, BRAINMAN at checkout. And you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, and six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Hmm. and even blow you away. Plus... Free shipping! Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off, plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com.
0: No. 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 You must All right, welcome back, everyone, to Star Wars From the Back to Tank. All right, Dave, so you were getting into some very interesting territory before we had to go to break. You had mentioned or questioned why, why are we not getting this stuff in live action? Yeah. And it, it quite to be quite simple, or to put it quite simply, the individuals writing the comic books and the books are doing some of the best work right now. Yeah. And it's because they're nerds <laughs> and they like the material they're working on. Whereas the movies are being done by people. They grew up watching the movies, but that doesn't mean they understand Star Wars. They haven't been immersed in it in terms of the expanded universe, the books, the comic books. How many comic books do you think, or Star Wars books, do you think Ryan Johnson or J.J. J. Abrams actually read?
2: Not very many, I think. Probably none, Dave.
0: Probably none. I, I don't think so. And that's the reason why. Th- these people are immersed in Star Wars like you and I.
2: And you can see it through their writing. That's the amazing thing. Is like if, if Disney Marvel was wanting to find people that understood Star Wars, they could simply look at some of the products that are out there with their writing teams out there and see who truly understands Star Wars and who just basically looks at Star Wars as just the movies.
0: Well, you see what I would do if I was the executive of Lucasfilm. First thing I would do, like, all right, Paolo Vianelli, Cy Spurrier. I know you guys are comic book writers. You guys are capable writers. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have you guys put together some stories. I'm going to pair you up with some top-notch screenplay writers. I'm going to pair you up with some big boys in Hollywood to help you flesh out a story. But you're in charge. It's your story he's going to simply help you out with the rewrites. That's what I would do. Yeah. Problem solved with all the issues we're having and all these speed bumps or road bumps it would all go away. So, but I do agree with you, Dave. This is some of I mean, honestly, Bounty Hunters and Doctor Raffer are no doubt some of the best iterations of Star Wars we've had we ha- we've been given since you know, two thousand and twelve, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, Bounty Hunters is I don't feel has nearly touched the quality of Dr. Afra quite yet, but you Not never yet. know. Because you never
2: know. The thing is, Afra Afra had such a strong start. Start. Yeah. To to their entire run. Well, she had that whole build up in invader. In yeah. And like I'm hoping that Bounty Hunters does the same thing. Agreed. I hope the, and, and right now they are. The first five issues are extremely strong. And I think that basically, if you're not reading this series, you're missing out.
0: Yeah. You really are, to be honest with you. And it looks like a lot of the comic book fans do agree. Now, do you follow comic book roundup? Yes, I do. Okay. a uh, 7.7 is decent, right? It is. So issue so number is one has received... 7.7 7 rating on average issue two seven 7.3 issue 3 7.3 issue 4 6.7 which I don't agree with that issue 5 7.7 7, which is the one we're covering right now so it's back up so it looks like the a lot of people the beginning and conclusion were were really strong yeah now issue 6 coming up it's <laughs> a 4.7
2: <laughs> I did we, it's the same writing team. How is this even possible? It is because the problem with, I think, with number six is you're, they're starting a new... Have you read it yet or no? I've only read bits and pieces. I didn't, I didn't want to jump ahead. Okay. But, like, uh, I do have issue number six uh, on me, actually, as funny as it sounds, but... Give it to me. <laughs> they started a new story arc when you're coming off a really great... Beginning,
0: yeah, that I, yeah, I get that,
2: and it's kind of like already off the gates. That's going to be a, a bit of a hurdle, yeah. It, it will be,
0: yeah, I can see that. But
2: I think that basically, if uh, I think that it's going to do the same thing, what all comic book storylines do. I mean, you see it in Afro when you jump from I think it was like 19 to 25 totally different story uh uh totally different storyline and you you get that dip a little bit because you gotta actually set, have the setup yeah, so i'm expecting that issue six we're gonna see a dip but it's not gonna be that bad yeah it's not gonna be that bad because they have to reestablish. that's just such a, a drastic new story.
0: drop so i'm wondering if it's just people kind of like wait what happened what's going on here And we also (laughs) know that Boba Fett's probably not going to be a part of it. And that's the problem. And people are probably also being Boba Fett babies. Because they are aware, right, Dave, that this isn't a Boba Fett series. This is a Valance series. Valance series. With an ensemble of rando bounty hunters, whoever they want to bring in at the time.
2: Exactly. And that's the thing is, like, I'm worried that basically you started off with two of the big, very famous bounty hunters. Bosk, Boba Fett. Then you're going to, I know down the line, there's talks about bringing in, uh, well, you see it in the promotional Zuckus, Forlom. Those are two relatively unknown bounty hunters. Only hardcore Star Wars fans are going to know those characters. Mainstream that know Boba Fett are probably going to look at these guys and basically say, who the heck are these guys? That's going to happen. And that will affect the grade of the comic, I think.
0: Yeah. So the cover, once again, Dave okay this is what I'm going to do
1: I've decided Dave
0: this is what I'm going to do this time next month I'm going to have at least three of these issues blown up I found a site that will do it because I can't find an actual poster of any of these a full size poster no good luck but I found a site that will blow these up and they're going to go on the studio walls because Lee Bermijo is a fucking god (laughs) Not only does he do it, I mean, dude, I don't understand why it took me so long to even realize that this is the same dude that did Hellblazer for years Yeah, and continues to do Hellblazer. He did all the art in uh, Batman Damned. The guy is amazing. He might be one of my favorite artists. And here you have Lee Lee Bermijo come in and do these covers. I'm hoping they don't let him go. I hope he's around for at least another seven arcs dave here's the
2: thing about Bur-
0: get us to issue 100 please
2: <laughs> here's the thing about burmiho's Bur- art that i'm like going, he makes the variants look bad because why would you want to buy variants look at <laughs> Yeah, fuck like a variant make- i mean
0: this is this is variant <laughs> quality right here yeah In fact, i'm surprised that they're not using him to do the variants
2: that's the thing is like they're using him as the main cover artist and, uh, every single time i go to the comic book shop I'm like like Yeah, that that variant's pretty cool. I think that's kind of creative. But goddamn Lee cover of the regular one outshines the variant. So are you a big fan of Bermijo as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, not just this series, but he's done multiple series in the past where I'm, like, going, he is a fantastic cover artist.
0: There's just so much
2: richness
0: to his his designs like yes the, it's so rich there's so much depth there and texture and that's something that you don't really get a lot in comic books not all the time but there's just so much texture there
2: it's the, it, it's really down to gallery type of art that when you look at Bermijo's art it's like what you said you want to blow it up put it in put it on the wall because it's just gallery quality and, like, a lot of people say, well, why doesn't he actually take on main main penciler, be the main penciler of the thing? But you got to understand, this type of art, you can only take so much. It's just too much. Dave. It's too much. That's how I felt. Too when much I, of a good thing. It is. It's too much of a good
0: thing. Dude, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much stimulation. I'm not going to lie. Like, when you're reading Batman Damned. There comes a moment where you're like, okay, I've now stared at this page <laughs> for about 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And there's another 70 pages to get through. So oh, yeah. Mike, you
2: better speed it up. And, and it's like it's, it's just it's, too much. It's it's very much kind of like a when you look at Bermijo's work, you feel like you want to walk through a gallery in in, in an art gallery and just take time at each and, and every can't speed You can't
0: sprint through. You speed can't through these.
2: And unfortunately in a comic, Sometimes you got to keep moving forward. Well, dude, even with (laughs)
0: Vianelli's work, at times I'm standing or I'm staring at that page for at least a good 90 to 120 seconds. After I've read it, I'll look at all the detail and you add Bermijo's work to a comic book. Fuck, dude. I'm not joking when I say I I find myself staring at it way too long. Oh, yeah. It's just too much stimulation. So I do agree. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want an ongoing series with Bermijo. I don't think I can take it.
2: Well, the funny part is like, and the thing I appreciate about Lieber Miho when he approaches his his covers, it's like a big dick, Dave. Like, you know, (laughs) like ladies, everyone thinks they
0: want it. Like, oh, oh, it's so hot. It's good to look at. It's like, you know, like arm candy or eye candy. You know, but then, but when it comes down to it, do you really want that every single time? Exactly. Like there's, yeah, it is a pain factor there at times. <laughs> it just come on. Sometimes I just want the small penis, and like, <laughs>
2: so, because sometimes you just want the easy way out, right? <laughs> want, but like with Bermijo, whenever he approaches all his covers, he still wants to. Emphasize a story being told. And I appreciate that because there's many times in covers where people just throw up, I'm gonna just throw up and put them in dynamic poses and that's it. You know, just make it as flashy as possible without any substance. For Miho, when you look at all the all the covers he's done, especially in Bounty Hunters, there's a story that he basically says, Okay, I know Ethan Sachs and Vianelli are gonna be telling a story. My cover's gonna match their story style or match their story tone. And if if people have the opportunity to do, one of the biggest cool examples of this is actually issue six when I got it. Issue six is a fantastic cover. It it has Valance and it has Four Lomb and it has Zuckus on the front. But there's a story being told in it that carries on from into the new story arc. Yeah. And I'm, I appreciate that that there is some thought process into Vianelli's covers like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I love like creative covers. I love the uh, variants where they do like little things like, oh, let's do like movie variants. Let's do character variants. That's great. Oh! But when it comes down to the main cover, I always feel that the main cover should actually highlight the story being told yeah and
1: yeah it's gotten
2: to the point with with him that i'm like going i've actually turned down variants of bounty hunters because i'm like going no i want Bermijo's art because it it, there's just something about it there's something about that the 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 amount of work that he puts into it you want to buy that instead and i think that that should actually be the high the, the high price variant
0: yeah I agree. All right, why don't you take us into our final thoughts, Dave? Uh,
2: Final thoughts on this uh, issue. For the closer of the first story arc, I think it was really strong. It has me psyched to see where they're going to go with this. It didn't leave any loose ends, which I appreciate. There wasn't like any big gigantic loose ends that plot holes. There wasn't any plot holes that basically they left in this story, which I truly appreciate. And I... Do you, do we want to do two scores for the whole thing or just one score for the issue? You know what? We probably should. Let's do, um,
0: yeah, let's do one for the issue and then one for the entire series.
2: Uh, for the issue itself, I'm going to give this a solid 89. Um, it's a strong closer to it. It r- pretty much encapsulates what we need to know about Valance because Valance is the main character. But on top of that, we get actually insight into the characters around him that make up the bounty hunters universe. So it's a very strong issue. I think it's basically, I get why people are putting like sevens on it, but sevens are still a good, a good, uh, good score for it. But it honestly, to me, is an eighty nine, close to a ninety. Story wise, I am going to give the, the, the first story arc for Bounty Hunters a solid 95. And
0: I don't know if that actually computes, Dave, because I don't remember what we had rated the others, because technically it'd be based on our average. So it's kind of a, a farce.
2: <laughs> well, the problem, the thing is, do now you that remember
0: we... at all, or, or are you going to. I am going. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter because we could retrospectively go back.
2: Retrospectively yeah. look at each
0: issue because now that we the, have a complete story. Exactly.
2: Yeah, because a lot of like the, the scores that we have, they might be shorter. Yeah. But now that we get a full gauge of what the story is, how does everything flow? Do those questions still persist? Yeah. And honestly, looking, looking back at this story, there is no questions that still persist on me. Yes, you want to know well, what happened to, uh, uh, what did happen to? Oh, I forgot his name now. <laughs> Bosk. What do you what do you want to do with Bosk? Well, he's stuck on that planet. We know that he's going to come after Valance, but the last thing we see is him getting knocked out by Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and then on top of that, that's the only loop loose end that they probably left because the sister storyline came to an abrupt. Uh, it came to a, not a, a abrupt is probably a wrong way of putting it, but a karmatic end because her brother gets killed by Boba Fett. She basically goes on this revenge trip thinking that it's Nakano, but in actuality, Boba Fett's the one that actually shot, his, shot her brother. So in a long time, she should have been blaming Boba Fett. And in the end, Boba Fett kills her. <laughs> so... Yeah, that that's a bit of karmatic storyline right there that I thought was really cool. So that's why overall style wise, it hits writing wise, it hits art. It definitely hits. Okay. So overall, I give the series a 95 for like the story arc itself.
0: All right. So I definitely enjoyed this run. I'm very pleased with what they ended up churning out. I really wasn't sure what to expect when they first announced this because, you know, of course, we all loved Valance, even in the uh, 70s run of the comic book. He's an interesting character. Uh, And then, of course, in Target Vader, he, you know, bringing him back into canon officially. He was fun. It was fun. There was not a lot of substance, but it was enough to get me excited to see what they would do in an ongoing series. And thankfully, they turned him to they turned him into a legitimate title. Uh, something that you don't mind dumping, you know, $3.99, $4 a month to read. It's well worth it. So I would give this issue probably like an eighty nine, maybe a ninety, especially with how it ended. Again, that uh, take that into account when you compile I base things on what they are. So a ninety percent for let's say Hellblazer is a lot different than a ninety percent for say bounty hunters. Yeah, there's a there's a difference in quality, a difference in content. You have to review based on what you are discussing. So I'd give it an eight, let's say 89%. And the overall series is going to sit right there as well. 89%. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. And we will be back yet again in a few weeks with a discussion on Bounty Hunters number six as we delve into a new story arc. Thank you, David.
2: David. Thank you. May the Force be with us.
1: Ah, yes.